0: Welcome to Hospitality Forward, a podcast where hospitality and travel professionals learn how to earn the media spotlight. My name is Hannah Lee. I am president of Hana Lee Communications, an award-winning public relations agency in New York City.
1: And I'm Michael Anstendik, editor-in-chief at Hana Lee Communications and a food and beverage writer. As a journalist myself and Hannah as a PR professional, we understand the power of media coverage and its impact on someone's career and business. That's why we launched our podcast to help our industry rebuild and rebound by interviewing top journalists who share their insights and tips for gaining the media's attention. In this episode, we're delighted to chat with Kirk Miller, Managing Editor of Inside Hook where he writes about booze, culture, tech, and travel. Kirk is a veteran writer and editor in New York with over 25 years of experience. His work has also appeared in Rolling Stone, Time Out New York, and other top media outlets.
0: Hi, Kirk. So great to see you. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Michael. So for our listeners, can you tell us about Inside Hook? What kinds of topics it covers?
2: I, uh, joined Inside Hook a few months after it started. I, they went through a, um, this was 2012. It was a men's lifestyle site. They wanted to be originally something like, uh, Daily Candy or Thrillist, uh, very newsletter based. Um, and it was supposed to be for successful men who didn't have enough time, but wanted to quickly read up and, and become knowledgeable about things. It wasn't just booze or tech or style. It was everything, but just done in very, uh, quick hits. And, um, yeah, so we've been going nine years. Um, I think we've expanded a lot. We're a full-fledged website. In the last year, we've grown. Our audience has grown five times bigger than it was in uh, two thousand nineteen. Um, and we write a lot about hospitality. I would say that's the main focus of what I do. But um, I'll also write about travel and technology, and even how those um, all those things intersect as well. And then other people on the site write about uh, relationships or automobiles or uh, things that I guess you could call men's lifestyle, but I think, just our broader lifestyle categories.
1: Kirk, in your opinion, what's the difference between an inside hook story and a story in any other publication?
2: Well, I think we'll get... Uh, similar things are we'll get the facts right. We'll talk to people. Um, you know, I, those general journalistic standards will be there. Um, I think we're one of the few publications that allows a uh, personality and voice. Um, I think... And I'm going to use these other sites as an example, and I don't mean this negatively, these are sites I use as resources and I like, but I'm, I don't think you'll get that at Insider or Forbes, or, or or you will, but they'll be considered opinion columns or whatever. I think almost in everything we write, or particularly in anything I write, even if it's a news story about uh, you know, the top five uh, spirits brands in the world, which is just something I wrote this morning, which is pretty dry, I, I will try to inject some sort of uh, personality. I'll try to reference other things I've written. I'll try to give context. And I think I'll just try to make it a little more personable. I, um, I look to sites like, I guess I used to, it used to be called Grantland, but I always look to something like the ringer where you start to know the writers and it's not just like, Oh, here's the news or here's an opinion piece. It's like, here's what this, this person is thinking. And, um, that's why I don't always agree with everything we write, but I really appreciate having all those different voices at the publication.
0: You have a two titles, managing editor and nation editor. So you get to write and assigned articles. What's the process for finding great stories?
2: Um so we've gone through periods where we've had freelancers and we've gone through periods where we've done everything in-house. And in the last few years we've uh we were sold in 2018 and we uh since then have been able to um bring in a lot more freelancers. So the process for me is just finding writers I like, usually just through recommendations. Um I've asked publicists, I've asked um I'll even ask, you know, bartenders, a mixologist. Um, I'll ask uh, other writer friends who maybe can't work for me, but may know somebody. And then, um, you know, it's a pretty simple process. They'll pitch me a few ideas. Um, We'll pay them a, I would say, industry standard rate and um, the usual back and forth. And, um, you know, what I'm looking for, for a writer, I think I've got kind of most of the spirits angles covered, but I don't know a lot about wine. So I've been assigning a lot of wine content recently because there are people out there I would say almost everyone who knows more about wine than I do. So, uh, I get, when I read something and I learn something and I get really excited about learning something, that's when I know I found a good write.
1: So do you use social media as part of your research to, uh, uncover stories?
2: Sure. Um, I would say the main, uh, I guess app that we use is a, it's an RSS reader called Feedly. And I subscribe to about a thousand different publications and, um, It's it's really a great way. In about thirty minutes each morning, I can get kind of a snapshot of what's going on in the world, and um, I can divide it by category and use keyword searches and things. But I'll use Twitter, I'll use Instagram. Um, I don't like to use Facebook. I'm sorry if you guys use it. We have to use it. I um I've written some anti Facebook articles in the past about just their, uh, you know, them as a corporation. But you know, we use everything. I try to use TikTok. Um, The younger people on staff are much 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 better at it than i am we we did an article about bartenders of tiktok that was fantastic but i never could have written i just wouldn't even know how to start and uh, our 23 year old assistant editor pitched it and wrote a great article
0: you know what tiktok um we found some really good content you know by just flipping through the feed and it's entertaining it's, it's educational i, I think TikTok comes in handy sometimes. Right. <laughs>
1: Indeed. So speaking about something more recent, uh, you did a great story on Uncle Nearest mm-hmm. uh, launching a $50 million venture fund to help BIPOC and uh, women-owned Spirits brands. You know, it was fascinating that, uh, you know, Jackie Summers, uh, his, his company Sorrel, was one of the recipients. And we
0: love Jackie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's
1: amazing. But, you know, we had no idea that he was actually homeless for a period of time. While he was pounding the pavement, you know, selling it sorrel, so you can't get more dedicated than that.
2: I know. I, I when I read that, I didn't know that either. We we knew about we knew about that brand from years ago, I think, when it launched, and then I hadn't heard about it for a little while, and then when I read that, um, I'm a huge Uncle Nearest fan. Just uh, the story behind that, and um, that article uh, a few years ago that pretty much launched uh, Fawn Weaver uh, launching Uncle Nearest. I think I called it. Um, the most important story in, um, American whiskey history. It just, uh, it just really reshapes the entire conversation. And then for that brand to go from, they didn't exist in 2016 and it's not 2021. And they're the I think fastest growing whiskey brand ever. They're available in 50 States. And they launched last year, a $5 million sort of mentorship program, which I think is really important. And then a, uh, this $50 million, I'm, I'm hoping I'm getting these figures, right. But, uh, just, the amount of money and success that they, and they, that they've been able to put back in. And, um, oh, it's also good whiskey. I mean, that's the most, but at the end of the day, if it's not good whiskey, that's a real problem. And what it right, is, it's, exactly. it's a great product. And, um, yeah, I, I think they're leading the way and they're going to, um, provide a lot of people, uh, chances that necessarily wouldn't necessarily have had chances before within the industry.
1: So how'd you find that story?
2: I was invited to a tasting, and I, I went in there thinking, oh, I like whiskey. the uh, New York Times wrote an article about this. This will be interesting. And uh, their CEO and founder, Fawn Weaver, blew me away. Just, uh, We did a tasting, and I really liked the whiskey, but her story and her passion blew me away. And immediately, I had some questions because I was like, well, is she connected to this at all? like, she wasn't. So then I was like, okay, well, this is a great story. Is, I, I, Questions, and I would even say concerns came up. And then I was invited down there uh, to the distillery just before it launched. And um, I got to talk to her and I got to talk to descendants of the um, the slave who had been friends with uh, uh, Nearest Green, who had been friends with uh, Jack Daniels. And, uh, you know, it, a story builds. You, I talked to Fawn a few times. I uh, talked to uh, their master distiller, who um, I believe was a descendant of Nearest Green. And, uh, yeah, you know, after a while, you just build a picture in your head and you're like, wow, I want to keep writing about this brand. And then everything they do is just so. Uh, you know, it's just everything they do is the, the $5 million last year, the $50 million this year, the winning all the awards, the uh, fastest growing whiskey brand. the stories keep writing itself. Um, I don't know what they're going to do next because they're so successful.
1: <laughs> well, speaking of great stories, uh, you, had, you had a wonderful interview with Edward Slingerland, yeah. uh, the author of Drunk, mm-hmm. uh, How We Sipped, Danced and Stumbled Our Way to Civilization. And, you know, at a time when low ABV and no ABV cocktails are very popular, you know, he comes across as a real cheerleader for alcohol, you know, crediting it with, you know, unleashing creativity and, uh, creating, you know, social bonds amongst people. But he's also, you know, very upfront about, uh, you know, the, the side effects and, uh, the fact that, you know, we're not evolutionarily evolved enough to really process you know, high alcohol spirits, you know, it's a little bit ahead of us and there, there are definitely social costs. Uh, but do you think, you know, he, he was alluding to the fact that, you know, in traditional societies, uh, drinking is, is, is a communal activity. It's very regulated as a result. You know, do you think there's any way to go back to that kind of relationship towards alcohol or is the genie out of the bottle and, you know, it's just a drizzly away and you know, we're, we're all getting soused at home <laughs> watching Netflix or whatever. Right. Yeah.
2: Well, I th- I think it's going to be a combination of both. First I I see the next few months, especially because it's summer that, uh, based off of the bars I've walked by and I, and I know we haven't lifted all the restrictions, but it certainly looks like a lot of venues near me are pretty packed. I think people are craving. I know I am. I, I was surprised. Us too. Yeah, I would go out. Mm-hmm. No, I would go out last summer a little bit. There was one bar. There were a couple of places that I felt safe that had outdoor spaces. Um, the ones in the, you know, basically in the middle of the street. Um, And I would, I would drink a little bit in Prospect Park with friends. Um, I've never liked drinking alone. And I think uh, Professor Slingerland was absolutely correct in that. Like the more communal you can make it, you know, you have, uh, so before I guess it was like in a society, you'd have a Toastmaster who kind of regulated when you drank and you only really drank when you were in communal settings. I don't necessarily want to go back to that. I do occasionally like a glass of whiskey while I'm watching Netflix, but uh, I, even if it's with one friend, I like the, the idea of people around me and, um, a bartender who you occasionally talk to without a mask. <laughs> um, just the, 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 just the general, generalness of people around you. And, um, that regulates you in a way. You can't sit around. Well, you can. It's just not healthy. <laughs> you can't sit around a bunch of people and sort of get drunk on your own unless you're in a very bad place, I think. And I think if you're, uh, I think once we get back to the idea of going back to bars, um, I think it sounds strange and counterintuitive, but I think our drinking will become healthier. I'm not sure, you know, but I I just think it can't hurt to bring human interaction back into the, uh, into the mix.
1: Absolutely.
0: Mm -hmm. Agreed. It's it's
1: the ultimate social lubricant. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah.
0: As a fan of Bruno Mars, I enjoyed your recent story on the singer and his Sabore rum. I mean, I can see why Bruno would get your attention. But for our listeners, who range from bartenders to chefs to sommeliers to travel agents and travel advisors, how can they get on your radar? Hmm. Well,
2: the, the interesting thing about Silver Ray, uh, which is the Bruno Mars uh, rum, uh, what I and I liked uh, very briefly on that, what I liked about that story was uh, it wasn't him creating a run from scratch, which I wouldn't have believed to that story anyway. He's very talented. I just don't think that's in his wheelhouse. Um, it existed before, and he sort of came across and was like, I want to be part of this. And I I, right. I can respect that. And if I had talent and fame and money, you know, or, or one of the three, I would uh, mm-hmm. I would probably invest in a, in a, in a spirits brand. But um, just to get on my radar, I mean, I get hundreds of emails, literally hundreds of emails a day, and 80% mm-hmm. of them are not targeted towards me, so I can sort of ignore them because they're not mm-hmm. presenting me with in a way that I want to interact. I would say, you know, get to know inside hook, read up on it a little bit. Um, you know, get to know who who the editors are when you when I get an email that says hi and has a blank space next to it, um, I'm not going to answer. I don't pick up the phone, well, especially since I'm home. Uh we I don't even know how people would find my number, so I would never pick it up uh unless I knew you were calling. Um so you have to start with email. Uh I I've, I've occasionally gotten pitches through LinkedIn. I don't love it, but um it's worked. Um you know, get to know the publication and pitch me something interesting. It's hard to write about I don't know, you're releasing a new bourbon and it's 4 years old and it's you know 80 proof and it um it won a silver at uh Bob's Award show in New York. And I that's not to say it's not good bourbon and all that and it's only available in one state i mean there's just a lot of things there i can't work with um and the most importantly if you can't get it anywhere except say you know uh, one town in texas i'm gonna have a difficult time writing about it now if it's a hundred thousand dollar whiskey then they only release one bottle and it's you know encased in diamond yeah i might write about that because it's really fun (laughs) uh just interesting stories uh getting knowing the publication and pitching me on the things i write about and not pitching me on things i don't write about you know i don't write a lot about women's products unless it's mother's day or valentine's day or or the holidays so when i get pitched a loungewear for women in june i might forward it to another editor but i probably don't even have the time to do that um but as far as booze goes i'll you know yeah if, if you know me you know you pitch me booze or pitch me tech or pitch me travel those are kind of the things i write about
0: Mm-hmm. How about bartenders? What are you looking for in bartenders?
2: You know, uh I mean, this is what I look for in any writer, you know, people who will get back to me if I ask them a question and they agree hey, to do something. Um and that's not saying they're more or less uh responsible than anyone else in the world. This uh but I'm also looking for diversity and that's just that's not even race or gender or anything. That's just like um maybe you know, I think sometimes we use too many bartenders from New York. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: um right i would love to get more from the midwest or from out of the country i would love to use uh you know i know it's harder but you know why can't i talk to more bartenders in scotland or uh you know i did a story on um an israeli uh whiskey distillery the first one uh m and h i believe it's called milk and honey milk and honey yeah and uh that to me was really interesting because i was like that's a voice i don't know i mean wow distillery in israel already like I'm intrigued. That's, that's really interesting. Um, yeah. So it just goes back to, uh, interesting stories, uh, you know, pitching me and knowing who I am and, um, Oh, be nice. Oh. And then for bartenders, um, yeah, just having, um, something to say, you know, like whether you're making something in a different way or you can explain a process or, you know, like, let's say you use all the parts of a lime. you know, you don't do anything, you don't have any waste. That's interesting. Uh, Let's say you only use one type of rum for a daiquiri. That's okay. If you can explain why, awesome. You know, I'm, I'm up for it. I'm up for fun stories and um, voices I haven't heard before.
0: So in addition to drinks and food and travel, um, we know you also love covering tech. The hospitality industry has gone through a lot of innovation during the pandemic, as you know.
1: So what, what mm-hmm. recent innovations, tech or otherwise, have you noticed in the hospitality industry? Um, that can
2: there's a lot of different things. There's things just on the home bartender side, whether it's um, ways to make ice cubes. I forget the name of it, but it's something that it's a giant machine that makes a perfectly clear cube that you can buy at home. And I'm like, I'm always fascinated by that. Um, oh, and I just reviewed a, co- a cocktail smoking kit that you can get at home for seventy bucks, which is the cheapest I've ever seen one. So I think things like that. I, I, they're not. It's more gear than tech, but I still think there's some crossover there. Uh, as far as when I go out. I loved getting the bill, pressing a button and paying it and then just leaving. And this last summer and fall and all of 2020, it was not, and, and I've noticed a lot of places I've kept this. Uh, there's a lot of strange interaction that we've never thought about with, um, with bars about how we order and how we pay. I mean, if if you can just hand me a bill and I can press a button or if I can order and like, you're still coming to my table and I can still ask you questions or whatever, but I don't have to flag you down or I can get out of the table more quickly. You know, a lot of these, a lot of places I were at had 90 minute uh, seating limits um, just cause they were trying to keep everyone socially distant and things like that. And uh yeah, and you know, just to have an app. I mean, it sounds strange that apps are gonna change everything, but between Venmo and these touchless payment apps and um just ordering apps, um I had a really easy time getting alcohol last summer, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and I hope some of it stays.
0: Who thought that QR code will come back that strong? I know that
2: was a ten-year-old technology, and now it's like easy it technology. For
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, And they disappear and in suddenly, yeah. And suddenly, what do we do without QR code? You I know? know, right? Yeah. So you know, as you know, a lot of bars and restaurants and hotels are opening and reopening. Um, it's happening a lot in New York City, but also in many other uh, cities right now. So, in coming months, what kind of stories will you be focusing on? Well, I just.
2: This was a little more on restaurants, but the, the article I did today, for example, I talked to a lot of chefs about where what they thought was going to be the biggest problem in the hospitality industry in the next few months, and every single one of them said understaffing. So I think we're not going to get back to the 4 a.m. bars uh, closing, and um, I think we're still going to be working with restricted hours and, and restricted seating and smaller staffs and limited menus for, I'm thinking, through the summer. Um, I think in the fall, we're going to start seeing things if the virus can be contained in all of those usual caveats. Um, I think we've got a few more months of kind of this hybrid model. Um, and as far as what we're focusing on, it's kind of navigating that world. Cause I think it's going to be frustrating for consumers and for the bars. And you know, everyone's frustrated and I understand it on both sides. Um, you know, I also want to see, we had a lot of important discussions last year and uh, I want to see where that goes. I want to see if workers are treated better. If, uh, you know, wages are increased. If, uh, uh, there's more voices being heard, just, uh, you know, I get excited. There was a, um, I'm going to forget the name of it. It was such a good name. There's a bar that's opening near me called, uh, I think it's called whisk and a whiskey or whiskey and a whisk. And it's, a uh, it's women owned, uh, minority owned, and it's, uh, going to be open. I think it was open this week. It's 8 AM to 1 AM. And it's a bakery that also serves cocktails. And I'm like, if I can get a muffin and a Sazerac at 9 a.m. on a Wednesday, I'm like, yeah. that to me is a fascinating story. Um, and it made me really interested as opposed to just being like, it's a bar that serves food and drinks and cocktails are $16. And, you know, you can get a burger. Uh, I'm like, let's let's do the non-alcoholic bar. Let's do the meatless barbecue. Let's do um, a bar that only serves gin. You know, let's do the bakery and Sazeracs at 9 a.m. I'm like, that to me is like, it's exciting in a way because I think people are going to have to be interesting now.
0: Exactly. Agreed. We call our podcast Hospitality Forward because we truly believe in our industry and that it is coming back and it will be back stronger than ever. And we already see that happening in New York City and in, in other cities as well. So can you tell us if there's anyone or any organization that is doing great work that is moving hospitality forward
2: somebody we we at inside hook have been working with has been the u.s bartenders guild and they have their own um charitable initiatives within that um so we have directly um i'm not even sure if i can say directly but we've done fundraisers for them and uh we created a we helped create a product line a a t-shirt that said you know something some sort of dive bar t-shirt some sort of celebration of dive bars where we gave the money to the uh uh, US Bartenders Guild. and um, But on their site, they have a ton of resources. And um, one thing they helped me do is I did an article on mental health uh, in the hospitality industry uh, early in the year. And they have great resources on that site on their charitable arm. Um, that was a big help to me. It connected me with bartenders. It connected me with different organizations. So I guess for me, that was really important. Um, I can't even imagine being... I could not I worked at home and I wrote things and I occasionally would get on a zoom call. I could not imagine not knowing if I could go to work every day or if I did, if I was going to get sick or, um, so to me, that's what became important. So I would say if you're looking for something start with the U S bartenders guild and then look at through their charitable arm and then they have mental health resources listed there. And through there, you might be able to find something that, directly connects with like what you're most interested in. I, I sort of took a broader approach and said here are all the resources go forward but you, uh, there might be something out there that if you look at that list you could sort of narrow down and find what you uh you know, you as a listener wanted to uh, help out with.
0: Mm -hmm. I have to say, USBG has done such a great work since the pandemic started for the community. And I remember joining one of the seminar, and there was a mental health expert, Laura, and she said something that stuck with me. She said, mental health is everything, and everything is mental health. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was so meaningful and i think a lot of people shy about talking about the mental wellness but let's face it everyone has gone through such a tough time during the pandemic i think it's important to address that and also if you can get help get help because there's a resource out there waiting for you
2: yeah i don't think everyone knew that and um i mean i can't speak for bartenders just as a writer but i was really impressed when i saw their list of resources i was like i didn't know this existed until last year. And I'm really glad it's there and that they're promoting it.
1: Yeah. Hopefully this will be one of the silver linings of the pandemic that, you know, we've become more open about talking about issues like mental health. Mm -hmm, Definitely. But before we go, Kirk, what's the best way for our listeners to contact you to pitch their story ideas?
2: Well, right now, just because I'm working at home, the only way to contact me is through email. So you can do that at, it's um, Kirk, K-I-R-K at insidehook.com. just know I cover alcohol, technology, travel, tech, and you can pitch me on style and a few other things, but you know, just know that if you have an interesting story and you've kind of read stuff I've written before and you've read the Inside Hook, that you'll have a far better chance of me uh, responding. And uh, you can hit me up more than once. Um, I have 600 emails I've not responded to. That is what my inbox is saying right now. So definitely hit me up more than once if you haven't heard, but do not hit me up 30 times. I'd say
1: less than, <laughs> Only 30 29 more, yeah, less than 30 more than one. <laughs> That's the sweet spot. Right,
0: yeah. So Kirk, it's been so great speaking with you and um, we'll see you very soon. But in the meantime, thank you for what you do for our community. Really appreciate you.
2: And right back at you guys. You've uh, worked at some of the best bars in the world, you know, for some of the best bars in the world and some of the greatest bartenders. So uh, you've been very helpful. Oh,
0: thank you. Thank you. I think we shared quite a bit of cocktails together over the years.
1: Yes, we have. Yes. And you will continue. <laughs> maybe, maybe one or two.
0: And you will continue. <laughs> yes, definitely. So thanks again. All righty. Great. Bye-bye. Bye. Passionate, curious, and thoughtful. These words nicely sum up Kirk. Now that you know what Kirk is looking for,
1: please feel free to reach out to him with your story ideas. And don't forget to mention that you heard him on our podcast.
0: We have a lot of exciting media guests in the pipeline as well. So please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app.
1: Please leave a review and tell your friends and colleagues who you think would benefit
0: from the tips our journalist friends share on our show. See you next week. Until then, join us as we move hospitality forward together.